Hi, I'm Jake Parker, and this is my podcast, Beyond Fit. My goal is to help you live a happier and healthier life by providing actionable knowledge and advice about a wide range of health and fitness topics, as well as self-improvement. If you want to find out more about me, visit my website, jake-parker.com. Thanks and enjoy the show. Hi, guys. Welcome back to the Beyond Fit podcast. My guest today, it's his second time on, Matt McLeod. We had a really fun conversation last time and found that we aligned on a lot of similar interests and theories, philosophy, stuff like that. So I thought it would be fun to have him on today again and have another chat. So I'll let Matt go ahead and say hi on his end from his uh, different closet than he's usually from. <laughs> yeah. What's up, man? Thank you so much for, for having me on again. I, I really do appreciate it. And yeah, for, for those who, do you do video on these as I well? Know. Okay. Well, all good. For, for those of you listening, I am currently in a closet right now. Uh, the, as he said, the other closet, because my girlfriend is on the other end of the apartment and uh, I got to give her her space while she takes exams. So I am in uh, this closet and this is, uh, it's going to make do because this is, this is how we do it. It doesn't, doesn't matter where I'm at. We're going to, we're going to make this conversation a great one. So yeah, again, thanks for having me on dude. Yeah, for sure. So we talked for a few minutes before I started recording and we started talking about habits and habit formation, stuff of that nature. And I think you mentioned uh, more or less like starting to talk about the minimum effective dose. Like I often call it like, how can we get the best results from doing the least amount of stuff? And so I think that ties into one of my main questions based on like stuff that you've been putting out lately, sort of transitioning away from like being all in on fitness to trying to kind of, like I said, my, one of my favorite terms, is like the minimum effective dose, like a Tim Ferriss type term. So for you starting to transition away from like fitness being at the forefront of everything you do, but still wanting to maximize your efficacy in it. What are some of the, big rocks, so to speak, for you and still trying to manage that on like a weekly, monthly basis. Yeah. Yeah. So this kind of approach that I have been taking here recently in the content that I've been putting out uh, and just how I've been thinking lately has stemmed from the extreme that I used to take with fitness. And so that's why you said fitness used to be the forefront of my life whenever I was a little bit younger. So I'm 26 now. So, but whenever I was in college, uh, back whenever I competed in natural bodybuilding, it was my main identity mm-hmm. basically. Right. Cause this is, this is, uh, whenever you're that young, you don't necessarily have too many things going on in your life that take that forefront position because mm-hmm. you might be in college, right? So you, you have, you have schooling and then, maybe a few uh, serious relationships here and there, maybe none at all, um, but you're still young for the most part. So you don't have any foundation for the most part as far as, far as like what your identity is, is made up of. And for, for you and I both, and for most of the people listening to this, we have fitness, we're lucky to have fitness as our core, mm-hmm. our rock, basically. That is what connects all of us. But as I started to get older and I graduated from college and then I had, you know, I have to, you have to start making money. There's, there's bills and you, you know, you, you leave the nest basically. Um, and and you, you have to, if you aren't already start providing for yourself. So financial stability, figuring out a career that you love, uh, uh, dealing with 
possible friends moving away, getting married, uh, comparing yourselves to them, getting other careers. Uh, but long story short, your priorities change. And whenever you don't have two hours a day, five or six days a week to go to the gym and, you know, get, get jacked and then focus on, on counting your calories and your macros and, and being really serious about all this stuff, you know, these other priorities that become more important are, are kind of forced on you and you have to make a decision. You have to either, something has to give, right? Because you can't be full throttle on your career, on your relationships, on, on traveling, on self-actualization, uh, and on fitness as well, for the most part, right? Unless, it, and, and social life is thrown in there as well. It just depends on what you care about. If, if fitness is still um, very much a part of your identity and is still a very high priority of your life, I don't think there's anything wrong with giving up a large part of your life to that and dedicating it to that because who am I to say what is right or wrong in that sense but for me personally it was okay I, there's so many other things that I want to do and that inspire me outside of the realm of fitness that how can I like you said how can I get the best results possible with the least amount of work put in mm -hmm. and since I had that extreme background of the bodybuilding and, and I'm also a registered dietitian. So I've gone to school for this stuff and I've been obsessive about, about learning the most important things, like you said, the big rocks. And, and, and I've just been trying to hyper-focus in on those. Uh, mm -hmm. And it's what I call fitness essentialism. And, and I got it from the book essentialism mm -hmm. uh, by uh, Greg McEwen, I think is how you say his name. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, so it's basically a relentless pursuit of the basics and focusing on the shit that we know that works mm -hmm. and disregarding the rest, mm -hmm. right? Um, and, and for the for the most part, I don't I, I won't go through like all of them, but for the most part, I think it's the ones that a lot of people know. So for, and I'm conveniently enough, I'm coming out with a product here soon called Automated Fitness, and it talks exactly about this. I go over fitness essentialism uh, in, in a part of that. And, and for the nutrition part, the first thing actually in both of them with nutrition and with, with training both, you have to gain awareness on where your baseline is first. And for most people, this is going to come from the most practical way of doing this is going to mm -hmm. be to track something. And I know that, that a lot of people uh, do hate tracking. And, and I think the, the key here is to understand that we only need to do this for a short period of time in order to gain this baseline awareness and to educate yourself as well, because that's a big part of it too, mm -hmm. right? You have to learn, okay, what am I doing? What am I not doing? And then why is it working or why is it not working? Mm -hmm. And it's, it's, it's literally as simple as that. And so examples for, for nutrition would be to use a macro or to use a, a, a calorie counter, an app. So you have like Mike's macros, you have my fitness pal, fit genie, something, something along these lines to, to track your food. Uh, you can do it through an app. You can do it with a paper and pen. So an actual, just like food journal and just writing down your meals and the individual foods and the serving sizes. You don't even necessarily have to write down their calories because just mm -hmm. taking the time for, for some people, obviously it depends on your, your experience level and, and, um, uh, 
like if you're a beginner, immediate, intermediate, or advanced, how effective that's going to be for you. But for the most part, most people who have never tracked anything before are going to be more in the beginner, intermediate range. Mm-hmm. And so for them, just writing something down is going to be enough awareness for them to be like, oh, okay, I'm eating way too much food every single day. Mm -hmm. Or if they're trying to gain muscle, it's like, okay, I'm not eating nearly as much as I thought I was. Mm -hmm. And that fact alone is going to be enough for them to at least get started in the right direction. Um, And then then in the last, the last, the, the, the lowest barrier to entry with that would just be to take pictures of your food before you eat it. Right. And so for my clients, uh, for some people who are really getting into the beginning of things and they've struggled with tracking their food. I'm like, okay, that's fine. Just before you eat or so basically I'm like, make your food, take a, a quick snapshot of it. And then at the end of the day, then you're going to have this little gallery of all the foods that you've eaten for that day. And you can, uh, again, this just is the beginning of gaining that awareness of, okay, what's working, what's not working and what do I need to change? Yeah. For me, I think the really interesting part is the farther along in my own understanding of health and fitness, I go, I think it's really interesting because you become more open to different ideas. And I think probably it speaks to what you're talking about. And like you, you understand why certain things work and you kind of just mentioned having that overall understanding of like, what are, what are the gears that are turning that are, that are turning these specific dials. And like, what's coming to mind for me is one of the most frustrating things I see is when someone gets in a really good shape, but it's because they followed like X diet plan to a T and X exercise plan to a T. It's like after that, how much good does that do you? Because you don't really, if you don't know why it happened or it's like, oh, I ate, you know, keto or, you know, whatever, fill in whatever diet. It's like, yeah, I mean, it's, that's good that that worked, but you have to think in the future now, it's going to be so easy for you to fall off the rails if, if whatever got you these results was due to a specific circumstance. So I think that it's so important to realize what is going on behind the scenes and trying to develop this knowledge because that's what's gonna make something sustainable for the rest of your life. And like the other thing that I thought of while you were talking was it's, it's nice to learn from different people um, as far as what people like to do to, you know, to reach. There's a lot of people that reach high levels of fitness for a lot of different reasons and doing a lot of different things. And like my example, when I first found out about like tracking calories and tracking macros, I thought that was the only thing that mattered. And I was like, why would anyone ever use a meal plan? You're like a meal plan sounds stupid. How does it even like, don't they know how to track macros? But when it comes down to it, it's just, it's, it is, it is tracking macros and calories in a way. It's just like when you're eating the same thing day after day, that's, that's what you're getting to. But just back to my point of like, there's a lot of like, there's a lot of ways to skin a cat as the expression goes. Mm-hmm. Well, the the thing is, is like, the tracking the calories or the meal plan, neither of them matter. What mm-hmm. matters is the calorie deficit, right? Mm-hmm. And your your tool of choice to get there doesn't matter as much, right? But the tool that is going to keep you there long term and allow you to progress even further because your body is adaptable, it's eventually going to reach a point where you're going to have to change something. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have any knowledge of what you need to change necessarily. Like with the meal plan, sure, you can maybe take away more food or, or like half a serving mm-hmm. or something uh, to that extent. But the, the problems with the, the meal plan and why it's not as sustainable typically is that it, it's more of like an on or off switch for people. And so it's, it's I'm either on the meal plan or I'm off the meal plan. And whenever people go off the meal plan, 
they go really off the meal plan. Mm -hmm. And then, and then to, to, to get back on the meal plan takes a lot of more, it takes more willpower, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, takes more motivation and, and people are just less likely, uh, to get back on the horse as, as quickly as they would if they were just tracking calories, which, mm-hmm. which, which brings up the, another part of the automated fitness part, the, the product that I'm making is, is the, the concept of, of basically failing fast and, and, and keeping your world small. Uh, so there was, there was a, uh, there was a Navy SEAL who went on Joe Rogan's podcast the other day. Uh, his name was Andy Stumpf and he's now a Navy SEAL instructor right? So all the trainees, he gets to, to coach through them and stuff. Uh, but now he gets to ask them questions, right? As trainees, these trainees who have given up their entire lives to be there, to become Navy SEALs, to go through BUDS training, right? Uh, you know, they've gotten scholarships to colleges, everything, turned everything down in their life to go through this BUDS training. But then they end up quitting. And Andy Stump, the, the instructor, gets to question them now. And he's like, why did you quit? Why did you get, give up everything to, to, uh, you know, give up everything to, to come here and be a seal. And then you end up quitting. And he said that the answer that he got time and time again was simply that they just became overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and he said, what they failed to do is keep their world small. Mm-hmm. He said with, with buds training, you can see it as 180 days, right? The entire thing is 180 days. Or you can see it as a sunrise and a sunset 180 times. Mm-hmm. And so that different mentality, the thing that we do with, and, and whenever you relate that back to your, your diet and, and the meal plan, and whenever people fall off again, they fall off and they say, oh, I'm off my diet now. So you can go the entire weekend with that, like, quote unquote, fuck it mentality. Just like, mm-hmm. all right, screw it. I'm off my diet now. I'm going to eat whatever I want. Nothing matters. Um, but with whenever you whenever you keep your world small and you can fail quickly and you can realize that every single meal is a singular choice and a singular event that is not attached to any other meal right like there is there is no reason why you're if you screw up at breakfast that your lunch and dinner also need to be unhealthy and and uh, of low nutritional value but for some reason in our heads we 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 see it this way um but whenever you can you can understand that you just, again, keep keeping your world small and, and looking at things with your diet as, in just a, a more narrow lens, I think is the correct term. And just realizing these are just singular choices and every meal is another opportunity to take one step closer to your goal. And if you fall on tr- off track on one meal, that's okay. Every meal is like a clean slate. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. That's- yeah. I mean, that what it makes me think of is there's, there's a quote that I like that goes something like, you can do anything but you can't do everything and i think it's all the more important in today's world because some people just fall fall behind or find themselves in like the paralysis by analysis where you know there is so many doors that can be opened and so i'm kind of thinking in in context of vocation or something in these terms where like oh you know i'm gonna start a podcast and i definitely fell into this at first too like my podcast didn't really have any direction and i was interviewing all sorts of different people and it was basically just interview anyone who was interesting and that was fun, but it's just, if you don't have some sort of constraint or some sort of focus, you can, you can really lose your way. Like you said, just become overwhelmed. And I, I think the same way. And, you know, there's so many things that seem interesting to me that it's like, Oh, maybe in another lifetime I would do this or this. And you see people 
oh, this person's a comedian, this person's a singer, this person writes, this person does X, Y, and Z. And it is, I think there's a lot of value in just focusing on one thing for a set period of time, especially in a world where there's so many different opportunities. Mm, you're going you're gonna to like this fable. I, I've talked about this, this fable before, the fable of the donkey. Um, I don't know if you've heard me. Well. Yeah, so okay. I'm full of stories today, apparently. Um, but but this, this is a quick one. So with the, with the donkey, the donkey is in between a bale of hay and a bucket oh, of water. Yeah. I think I know this one. Yeah. Heard of this one? Yeah. So, so basically, the donkey is hungry, hungry and thirsty. And so the donkey starts taking steps over to the bale of hay. But mm -hmm. right before he gets to it, he stops, he turns around and decides to walk towards the bucket of water. Mm -hmm. Then right before he gets to the bucket, bucket of water, he stops, turns around and starts taking steps back towards the, pale, the bale of hay. But then eventually he doesn't eat and he doesn't drink. And so he ends up collapsing and dying. What he didn't realize is that he could have walked over to the bale of hay, ate some of the hay and then walked over to the water and drank some of the water. So yeah. it's just, it's, it's this nice little parallel, this fun little fable that, uh, we, we do think that we need to do, especially like you said, with vocation, with, with, with our career, especially whenever you have unlimited freedom that can bring tons of paralysis analysis. And you, you compound that with comparing ourselves to what everyone else is doing and whatever other people are succeeding and doing. And we think, that we need to also take that path because that's the well-beaten path, right? Mm -hmm. Those people are making infographics. You know what I'm saying? Those people are putting Twitter quotes on their Instagram. It's like, I need to be doing that same thing. Mm -hmm. um, but, but then again, what works for them doesn't necessarily work for you uh, and, and vice versa. And, and it's, it's, it, it just, that's why originality, whenever people do see true originality and, and of course, everyone is somewhat of an imitation of other people and a conglomerate of people. I, I think true originality is obviously um, very difficult and probably not even possible anymore. However, you can still view things, view the world through your own uh, lens, basically. And, and uh, the way that you tell stories or the way that you convey a certain message or by the reason why I don't read tons of fitness stuff is because it doesn't spark new ideas in me. Mm -hmm. But whenever I read philosophy or, uh, you know, some type of productivity book or, or just any type of, of random book or something, mm -hmm. it's, it's those, those lateral thinking pathways or whatever, the, yeah. these, these, uh, these trails that people haven't necessarily gone down. And, and I can take all of these non fitness avenues and then put them through the filter of fitness right? I'm just like, Oh, this concept is very similar. And I can use it as an analogy to make this fitness, uh, um, suggestion work. Mm -hmm. and, and that's, that's, that's simply what I, I try to do. Yeah. I think that's, you mentioned something else there that I think comes up a lot of times, definitely in my life where you feel like, you know, how, how can I have a creative idea when there's already so many people out there coming up mm -hmm. with things and writing things and posting things. And I, I think, I know that you post a lot about a lot of different blogs. Do you know of uh, the Farnham Street blog, Shane Perry? Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. So I posted uh, one of his articles on my newsletter not that long ago, and it was called "Standing on the Shoulders of Giants," and it was all about how you know all of the all of most of these ideas we have are a result of ideas that other people have had, and basically, like you know, a lot of the or basically all of the scientific breakthroughs we have wouldn't have happened if someone wouldn't have laid the groundwork. You know, if Einstein didn't lay the groundwork for whoever the next scientist was that made the next discovery and just realizing that it's, it's hard 
to call any idea truly original, but you have to realize that it's okay because I think everyone has their own spin for things. And mm -hmm. just because you get an idea from someone else doesn't mean you can't like put your own touch for originality. on it. Yeah. And I think we also have to let go of this egotistical view uh, because everybody wants to be original. Like, you know, it's a cool like thing, like, Oh, he's so original. Like he does his own thing or, or, or whatever. Uh, but I think the most of the people who are actually original don't even think that way in the first place. They just are, you know what I'm saying? They just, they just, they're just themselves. And, and it's the most natural th It just comes to them. Uh, and I had a, a, a buddy who I, I grew up with that was much older than me. I, he would always say, he was like, the hardest thing in the world is just be yourself. And I think it is, it is, it is so true, especially as you get older and you, you start to have Instagram where there's an infinite amount of comparisons to to look at and to see what you're failing at you know what i'm saying the the bar can always be raised higher right mm -hmm. there's always something that you're not doing that someone else is doing and they're succeeding at it way better than you are mm -hmm. and they look better than you they're making more money they've got a hotter chick or a hotter dude or whatever mm -hmm. uh you know and it, it it can it can it can hunt you inside uh but uh, but i i to, to that extent, one, one person, do you know, uh, Naval, uh, Rabakant, the, yeah, I just, I just finished listening to his, uh, like podcast series of the, like the tweet storms I've yes, been he's, that over a pretty long period of time, but I know that, my, yeah, yeah. You've talked about his episode on, on Joe Rogan. I know. And that's one of my favorites too. Yes. No, Naval is, he's one of my favorite people. He's one of my favorite, uh, he just, the stuff that he says, uh, it just makes sense. Right. And I think that's the, that's sometimes the best knowledge is just like knowledge that you're not able to articulate until you hear someone else say it or, or act it out or whatever. You're like, it just clicks. You're like, that's what I meant. Or yeah, that's like, how I'm feeling. Like the you escape know? competition through authenticity. That's speaks but, to yes. being that, yourself as well. That. And also he, he mentions like whenever we do make these comparisons to other people, he was like, you can't just, pick and choose these different parts of this person and this part. I want, I want this dude's hair. I want this dude's biceps. Mm -hmm. uh, I want this guy's girl. I want his cooking skills. I want his, his, uh, uh, house, you know what I'm saying? Or his mm -hmm. personality. It's like, you can't just pick and choose to create this godlike figure in your head. It's like, if you choose Steve Cook, for example, the, the you know, everybody knows Steve Cook, the, the Instagram influencer and, mm -hmm. I think I feel like I'm, I'm yeah, fitness model. I'm pretty sure he's a great guy. Actually, I know I have friends who, who know him and stuff and says he is a good dude. So that's good to hear. But the thing is, is like, if you're going to choose Steve Cook, you also have to accept all of his problems mm -hmm. as well. And you may see the outside again, you see the highlight reel of Instagram and all these different things. Like, oh, you didn't have that many problems. But I promise you talk to Steve Cook personally. I'm pretty sure he's probably got plenty of problems. Mm -hmm. um, and so you have to accept those problems as well. So all of his, his uh, um, advantages, you have to accept his pitfalls as well. And, yeah. and, and that's what we have to remember. And it's something that like I personally have said, and I feel like it, it, it was a realization I had quite a while ago. And so it, it's pretty ingrained into my thinking, but I, I, I forget that just kind of like we were saying how there's not that many original ideas. I also wanted to make the point that, you know, being someone who's putting out content online, trying to not be afraid of that. Oh, I've said this thing too many times. Like I've gone over this concept too many times. And like where I'm going with that is I, I just want to reiterate that social media is always someone just putting their best face on. 
and you know it's it's a cultivated image of someone i remember that was one of the biggest realizations i had in this kind of overarching change growth process that i've had personally just realizing that like you said the people that you look up to on instagram they're they're not posting about their negative thoughts and their fears and their insecurities they're just posting the best version of themselves and not that that's necessarily a bad thing but as long as you realize that and realize that someone what someone's putting out online is not the true version of themselves in a in a complete form of course and that's i mean we we all do that right we're not it, it i don't think i think social media would just be it it would be it wouldn't be as famous as it was if it was just a bunch of uh you know shitty things about people or whatever like the worst in people i think there is don't get me wrong there's still lots of that of like negativity and and things like that but still the people who are putting out negative things on like facebook or something like that that you would see that's where the rantings go Mm -hmm. crazy they still think in their mind they are putting that out there in a way so that people will view them in their own mind as like something positive as like, Oh yeah, I relate with that. Like, Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Fuck those groups of people. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, and, and then come closer for sure. Yeah. So it's just like everybody in their own head, even if it is something negative or whatever, it's they're trying to convey, Hey, I'm like this. And if you agree with me, we're cool. And if you're not, then you should go over there. Mm-hmm. Uh, or, or they're just trying to make some type of statement about themselves via their, their social media. We just, we can't, there, it's impossible not to do this basically. Uh, and I think it's, it's okay. I think don't, don't overthink it too much because everybody, everybody's doing, it. I think if you're, if you're trying to, if you're trying to do it authentically in the sense of maybe you're just interested in that subject. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it also happens to, make you look interesting, but also help people. You know what I'm saying? Like that's, that's a win, win, win for everybody. You know what I'm saying? Like that's, that's that's fine. Uh, And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. It sounds like what Tim Urban writes about a lot. I know you've talked about the way, but why blog too. Mm -hmm. His recent one about his most recent one was all about politics. It was like a 10 part series or something like that. And he mentioned time and time again, how we have these ways of signaling. Like, I don't, I guess, basically just like signaling, like you said, this is who I am. I want people to join me that are like this. And it's like, you have to realize that people, you know, anyone from like the far left to the far right in politics or anyone that takes a stand on something, they they do it from a place of wanting to build connection. And I think that you should try to try to see that in people and not, not just see that they disagree with you, but see, okay, well, they're a human like me. They just want to make connections, even though they're, they're coming at it from an angle that I don't necessarily agree with. Yes. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. And the same thing goes for, for keto or carnivore or veganism or any, any other uh, diet type that you want to choose as an ideology or, or something like that. I think that is, that's the problem in itself is using it as an ideology and as a sense of self, as opposed to, Hey, this is what works for me. If you want to be over there and do this stuff, then th- that's cool too. Uh, obviously with, with diet, I guess maybe the veganism thing and the vegetarianism, that's whenever you can get into the ethical standpoint, like it doesn't matter if someone is, is, is keto or if they, uh, you know, also eat bread, but Mm -hmm. if so to, to a vegan or a vegetarian, you are unethical, right. To, to a lot of them. Mm -hmm. If, if you 
choose to eat meat. And that's where, and then of course with, with politics, it's even amplified as well because then there's, there's more at stake. But I think, I think what you have to do is to actually be searching for the truth and not just to prove yourself to be right. Mm-hmm. I, and, I, and I think that's so, so, so difficult to do, especially with something as highly emotionally charged as politics or what you choose to eat or not eat because mm-hmm. eating is such a fundamental part of who we are yeah. as people. Yeah, like, like back to Tim Urban, the, the, the best example or the one that sticks with me the most was when he talked about the different ways of that people look at issues or that are like approach stances. And he's like, you can think like a scientist, which is the most rational way. Like you're just looking for evidence of why one thing is or another thing is, or he's like, there's sports fans where like, you'll be somewhat objective, but you're definitely rooting for a specific outcome. And then he's like, there's, you can be a lawyer, which is you definitely are really trying as hard as you can to bend things to look a certain way. And then I think the highest rung was like a zealot where you just completely like this is the type of example where you know someone might agree that the or disagree that the grass is green and that the sky is blue it's like whatever mm-hmm. their stance is you know two plus two doesn't equal four if if it's coming from someone that that opposes their point of view right or or they they choose to uh you know uphold their their stance in spite of evidence claiming otherwise, like unrefutable evidence, like, Hey, no, the sky is actually blue. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Or like two plus two is four because math, right? Like it's like you, and, and then that person, you know, that's, that's part delusion mm-hmm. as well. Uh, but, but yeah, no, I agree, man. It's, it's, it's tough. And, and obviously, you know, what the fuck do we know with, with mm-hmm. this stuff? And we're, we're just, we're, it's all observational and things like that. We're given, given our best guesses in it, but it is this type of stuff becomes more interesting, the older that you get and the the more developed your brain becomes and the more stuff you learn uh, and you can kind of understand things. But I think that that's, that's the key, honestly, Mm -hmm. is understanding in the first place. I think if you're trying to, to not again, come at people in a, in a view of, Hey, you need to change your mind to agree with me. Mm instead of trying to understand their viewpoint, understanding your viewpoint and say, Hey, what, what could I learn from you? What could you maybe learn from me? Where, cause the answer typically lies in the middle anyway. Mm-hmm. What, what can we both, uh, what, 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 what can we both learn from each other? And, uh, yeah, you know what I actually heard, um, it was some comedians talking about Robert De Niro, the, the actor. And they were, they were talking about how, uh, Robert De Niro actually, perks up whenever he has someone disagree with him mm-hmm. like on set or you know something just like everyday person because Robert De Niro is such just a famous person who who has yes men around him at all times and so it's like whenever you do have uh, uh that open-mindedness and that that perspective of you're just like another person Robert De Niro is just another person hey I can be wrong too uh, he said, whenever he does have someone challenge him or something, he that's whenever he perks up the most. And I think that that's correct. And it's so hard. And of course, I'm saying like, I, I have to work on this too. I'm sure sure you do as well. It's just because things are emotionally charged and you believe in one thing, somebody else might believe in another. Um, but whenever we can, whenever someone does say, um, hey, maybe have you thought about it this way? Like, no, I think you're wrong, actually. I think it's mm-hmm. right after that, it's like your ears should perk up and be like, oh, I might get another perspective on this i'm the the fog may clear a little bit more and we may get another step closer to the actual truth 
of the situation. And that should be exciting because that should be the point in the first place. Yeah, I think that the most important quality to me that I try to embody and that I look for in other people is specifically it's not intelligence, but it's much more so open-mindedness because if you are highly intelligent, but you're unable to change your viewpoint on certain things, then part of your intelligence, it's, to me, it's kind of like it's getting wasted in a sense. If, if you're unable to you know, accept other people's opinions or accept differing points of view, it's like we all have different life experiences that have led us to where, you know, where we are now. And so I think that it's important to just try to learn from everybody, kind of like we've kind of like what's been encompassed in our conversation so far. Yeah. And I think, I think the other part of that as well is perspective of the issue. This is why I have zero interest with arguing with people about training nutrition and, and certain things, like certain more minutia type things uh, about certain things that like with the evidence-based people, like some of them get out of their wits about certain things. Somebody said this and then, oh, it should be four sets and not two sets. And they they, they believe in, uh, you know, metabolic stress or something. Like they believe in this this random uh, uh, hypertrophy mechanism or something. It's like, I don't give a shit. Like I, I couldn't care less. Um, and it's just like, if you want to believe that, that's cool. If you want to have an actual discussion and we can, you know, we can talk to each other and not down to each other, then uh, I'm sure. Cause then we can both learn something. Uh, no one's trying to use ad hominems or demean someone else. It's like this, the, the, the point of this conversation conversation is to actually uh, learn something from each other. And it, and also if somebody can't keep in perspective that, Hey, this stuff doesn't even matter that much, you know, like this, this mechanism of hypertrophy doesn't even matter that much in the grand scheme of things. Um, I, I like, it's not worth losing friendships over. I don't, I want to make that clear because it's not that the knowledge isn't worth paying attention to and, and taking seriously, because then it's just like, then you're saying, Oh, other things matter than, you know, certain things in science. And I don't think that that's true. But what I'm saying is that if there comes a disagreement with you and a good friend, I don't think you should let it ruin your friendship. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's what I'm saying. Keep in perspective of, of the things that you're talking about. But it, yeah, it's just, I think that the concepts and the theories and the science, it needs to be respected and it needs to be, it takes, you know, years and it takes competitiveness between uh, two, two scientists, because that's, that's what creates uh, so entrepreneurship is the greatest example. That's uh, capitalism. That's why fucking this is the greatest country ever. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, that's what makes us so great is because we have the freedom to be better than another person or to have a better idea than someone yeah. else. And mm -hmm. you can, you can use that friction in order to create something beautiful. However, you have to also pick and choose your battles and make sure like, Hey, are, are you trying, are you still trying to make that truth, that truth of, oh, I'm going to create something amazing because you want to create something amazing? Or do you want to do that because you want to look cool to your peers or because yeah. you want to make a lot of money or because you want the fame and the power that comes along with it, right? Yeah. It's like, what is your motive? What is your intention? Yeah, that. that's, why there's, that's why there's phrases like iron sharpens iron, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, that's it. And so another thing that I was thinking about, you know, as we've been discussing just the fact that you talk about being focused on different goals these days. And um, if obviously you at one point were very successful, like you said, earning your pro card in, in natural bodybuilding. And I'm curious on your perspective of something that I try to embody and think about a lot, you know, and this can be hopefully a useful antidote with anyone who resonates with the feeling of being overwhelmed by how many choices there are in life. I think that 
like we sort of already talked about, the importance of sticking to one thing and seeing something through, it's important to note that seeing something through to its completion and putting all your effort into one thing isn't just going to make you better at that one thing, like bodybuilding for this example, but it's really going to teach you about how to excel just at anything. And so my, my favorite example of this is I'm a huge fan of Arnold Schwarzenegger and I love his biography because mm-hmm. to me, it, sh- it shines through that he has these overarching principles and values that made him the best bodybuilder of his time and then able to be one of the best actors of his time and then able to be one of the best politicians of his time because he has these principles and values and fully committing to one thing didn't distract him from other things. It's not like during bodybuilding, he was learning about politics and acting. It's like he, he focused on one thing at a time and the next thing that came to him. And so like back to in the context of our conversation, I'm curious if you feel like some of the lessons you learned in getting to a really elite level in bodybuilding, you're now using to get to different outcomes and goals in other areas of your life. Yeah, I think, uh, uh, and that's a great question. I, I definitely need to check out the uh, Arnold book because I've heard, I've heard great things about it as well. But yeah, the thing with Arnold, Arnold was going to be great no matter if he took up cooking, cro- crochet, mm-hmm. like whatever. Like it didn't matter what he chose. He was going to be amazing at it because that is just Arnold. That's just him. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, with, with me, I think that was one of the main drivers to do the competition in the first place was because in high school I did, I I played high school football uh, and that was my competitive outlet. And that is what gave me a lot of meaning and part of my identity and drive and and things like that. Um, But then high school ended and I didn't have anything to take its place. I didn't play collegiate football. So I was like, well, I've been really into lifting and I also know it's probably something worth delving into obsessively because there's, not much negativity that can come out of it, right? Like I wasn't using drugs or anything like that. Like I'm just Mm -hmm. getting in good shape and and paying attention to my nutrition, probably good habits to pick up at an early age. Uh, So I stuck with it. And then as I did the competition, I, you have to be, to do a bodybuilding competition and to diet for 22 weeks, you have to have some sort of intrinsic motivation that's not like hey i just want abs or i want to see veins in my abs or i want to get really lean just so i can be really lean it's like that for the for most people like for some people that could work but for for most it's like you have to have some type of hunger and drive inside you to to really push yourself and do something uh that you've never done before and that's that's kind of what this exploring this unknown of competing and bodybuilding. And I would add, I would add a deadline for sure too. I think adds that element to it. Just like you said, you have a set amount of weeks, you have a set date that this is going to happen more so than like, you know, people every year will have the goal to like get shredded for summer. But what does that mean? Like Mm -hmm. May 1st, June 1st, mid July, like what does shredded mean? You know? Yes. And also what happens if you don't do it? Mm -hmm. I think that's the other missing key that a lot of people don't think about. Um, Uh, it's like, that's one of the things I have on my uh, coaching application. Actually, whenever people first apply, it's like, what are your goals? Basically, like, what's the what's the good aspect? What's the positive experiences that you'll have whenever you if you achieve this, but also what happens if you don't achieve this, right? Uh, I think that's important to consider as well. And so having some type of goal like that of, of stepping on stage, because if I, if I'm going to stand up there in some type of mankini and have Tanner and everything like that under the spotlights, 
if I cheated on my diet for several weeks on end, it's going to show. And then it's just, then you're just going to be some dude who had this goal of getting on stage and putting on Tanner in a mankini or whatever. And you don't even look that good. It's like, all right, well, you know what I'm saying? It's just like to yourself and to others. It's also, it's just like, okay, what was the point of that? So I made, I made the decision whenever I decided to to do the competition, like, Hey, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it a hundred percent and I'm going to win. Like I'm going to try, try my best to win. And because I don't want to in these 22 weeks and then regret not doing mm-hmm. uh, as much as I could, because then I'll put the blame on myself. And, and that those are the fundamental, like, it was kind of just just pushing myself to see what I could do, uh, and, and the the daily habits of and the amount of sacrifice that I was willing to put in for this goal, uh, and just kind of see what I was capable of. Because again, with with bodybuilding and the controlled starvation that comes with a bodybuilding competition, especially in the last like eight to six weeks or something, whenever it gets really grindy and your your mind starts playing tricks on you, you're just hungry all the time you're colder because your, your body temperature isn't as high. Uh, you're actually more sloth like you're not moving around as much because your body's trying to conserve energy. Uh, you're very moody. You've, you, you know, you're hungry all the time. So just imagine that. And then also knowing that if you eat, you fail at your goals, right? Like if you, if you screw up, like if you, if you do that, then it's just, it's, it's a, it is the definition of a grind, um, towards the end. But I, I think the, the result of that was, okay, I know if I really want to hammer down for this period of time, I, I would be able to do it. But it also gave me a lot of perspective after the show was over. Like I said, after the show was over, I had a big, um, basically epiphany moment, especially whenever, even whenever I was standing up on stage with the trophy, I was just like, cause I got first place and I was like, mm-hmm. well, so this is it. This is, this is what I get for 22 weeks of hard work. Um, it's like, this is, this is what I was working for. Uh, and, and, you know, it, it, there was a twinge of really feel good and don't get me wrong. I was happy and I don't regret doing it. However, it didn't give me this enlightenment that I was looking for or bliss state or something, or this big improvement to myself or, or whatever. Right. Uh, I, I think that there could have been other avenues that I could have done the same thing. And then the outcome could have been even more beneficial than getting a plastic trophy and, and having some pictures to look back on. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, man, I, I don't know. I think the, the biggest thing it gave me was perspective on, is this that important to me? Do I want to sacrifice this much? Because I wasn't able to go out to eat with friends. I wasn't able to go out to bars. I wasn't able to, to drink much and, and things like that. And so I, I just, I, I didn't want that necessarily. And, and that's, I think that's, that's good. That's a learning experience. That's like, okay, I knew that's why I tell people if they're trying, if they want to do a bodybuilding competition or something like that, and they've thought about it a lot, like they're thinking about it every day or every other day or something. They're kind of like, maybe I should compete. Maybe I should compete. It's like, just fucking try it at least give it a try, mm-hmm. see if you like it. And then you do it. And then you're either going to love it or you don't like it as much as you thought. And then both of those answers are okay. And both of those answers are win because at least you tried and then now, you know, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, the perspective I think is, is what I still use to this day. Mm-hmm. So is there a goal or a couple goals that you're focused on right now? Or are you kind of just, is, is it more of that embodiment of, like you said, the day to day trying to make every day a good, a good day? Honestly, no. <laughs> uh, the, at this moment, especially with, with home workouts and the pandemic and everything, 
to be a hundred percent honest, I'm just like everybody else. I'm struggling to do the home workouts too. I, I like having, I have a pair of 15 pound dumbbells and some bands and it's like, that's not what I love doing. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong. I love, I love lifting and things like that. But to, to say that I, I get excited about doing push-ups and then more pull-ups and doing more push-ups and more pull-ups, you know what I'm saying? Like over and over and over again. Uh, it's, it's just not the truth. And, and I think right now with my training and nutrition, most of it is to feel good. I do it. I do it to not feel shitty. That's, that's my goal actually is to not feel shitty about myself. Uh, and this, this is, it's much more present moment goal. And again, it is a day-to-day basis goal. Um, I don't have like, oh, I'm, I'm specifically cutting now and I'm trying to lose mm-hmm. five pounds in the next six weeks or something like that. It's nothing as tangible as that. It's more so just like, what can I do to make this day a win mm-hmm. whenever I lay my head down on the pillow? That's, that's basically how I approach every single day so that I feel good going to sleep every single yeah. night. Yeah. And, and you're, and that, yeah. I was going to say, you're probably somewhat similar to me. And like, when you talk about the, what working out does for your mind and your mindset, like I can tell if I don't work out for a couple of days, my neuroticism and anxiety is like tenfold. It goes to the roof. And then a lot of the times, like, it's funny. I was literally having this conversation just the other day. It's like, sometimes I'll have this problem or like this thing I'm worried about or stressed out about. And then I'll work out for an hour. And then I'll, you know, if you if you have a good workout, if, if you're, if you're formulating things right, a lot of times you can forget about it for a little bit. And then after it, maybe the problem will come back up. And I'm like, Oh, why was I so worried about it? Like it'll pass. You know what I mean? It's getting out of your, getting out of your yeah, head, body is a great way to overcome your problems that you can kind of make seem bigger than they, they really are in your head. And I think there's something innately human about that from like a primal perspective as well. This has been, I've been on a primal kick as well. And that's kind of what, what I'm getting at here is just like moving feels good. And I feel like we have evolved as humans to move and we haven't evolved to sit in front of the computer all day long inside and not go outside and, you know, get our heart rate up and, and sweat and do things. So yeah, it's like the, I don't care if it's, it's running or if it's doing push-ups to failure, doing pull-ups to failure, whatever. It's like, or, or just walking around outside. Uh, I need to do, I'm trying to just make sure that I do something mm-hmm. on a, to be honest, it's probably like every other day. That's typically, typically what it is. Um, because I, I just, I can't even get creative enough to make sure that I do something every single day, Pro- probably walking like that mm-hmm. would be it. But as far as the workouts go, um, because again, I have other shit that I'm worried about. Like I want to make sure that I get done with work today, like by six o'clock so that I can make sure I get dinner ready so -hmm. that my girlfriend, whenever she gets done with her law exam, I can have dinner ready for us. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like that's important to me. And then after that, we're going to watch prison break. That's what we've been watching. That's our show. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then after that, I want to, we're going to hang out a little bit. And then she typically goes to sleep before I do. And then after that, I'm going to come out and I'm going to chill and I'm going to eat some fruit and I'm going to watch something funny. It's Mm -hmm. like, I'm okay with that. I don't, I don't like, that is living to me. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I don't, I don't need to make sure that I check the box of getting in my chest and back workout today necessarily. Mm-hmm. Right. Because it's not always that it's not always as important to me, but if I go two or three days and I haven't worked out and I, I see myself in the mirror, I just feel, and it's not from even like a, a aesthetic standpoint or, um, 
like I'm worried about getting fat or something. It's just, it's more so just like, I don't feel good. Mm -hmm. It's like whenever you haven't had a salad or something in a couple days, or mm -hmm. you haven't had some like really nutritious fruit, like juicy fruit, like fresh yeah. fruit. Well, it's just this feeling inside you. are just like, I need to do mm -hmm. this. Yeah. Even simpler than that. Like what you should, what's, what's a good goal. I don't know that necessarily it's a goal, but like what I think that anyone should strive for in, in health and fitness, like where I really realized that I've really ingrained it as a habit and routine is it almost should feel like brushing your teeth or taking a shower. You know what I mean? Like we've been doing that for so long since we were kids. Like it's not necessarily that you brush your teeth when they feel dirty or that you take a shower when you're smelly, but it's like, it's these things you do every day. That's how yes. you should try to make fitness to some extent, I think too. Yeah, no, well, that's, that's why I made the automated fitness thing. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's, that's, you're right because it becomes a practice and that's, that's, that's what I try to get across. And whenever you do have the time and the motivation to, to do this practice, I at least want to make sure that it's the most effective and most efficient things that I can possibly mm -hmm. do. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's kind of what I get at with, with the automated fitness stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, because you, it's just like, if I am going to do stuff, I want to make sure that it counts. And, and I want to, uh, uh, you know, make it the, the time that I am going to devote to it. I'm going to make sure, yeah, I want to make it effective. And I also want to enjoy it. Yeah. Well, I keep thinking about this big rocks example. So I think so, this will be a fun question to end on, kind of wrap it up how we started. So just if anyone has never heard this big rocks example, it's basically like if you were to fill up a jar and say you had like pebbles, small rocks, and big rocks, if you started with the pebbles, you would never be able to fit it all in the jar. But if you start with the big rocks and then you dump the small rocks and the pebbles, you'd be able to all fit it in the jar. So mm -hmm. a lot of times this comparison can be made to a lot of things. Fitness is easy where what are the big rocks that you need um, that, you know, a lot of times like the example that I'll say is like the pebbles are like the supplements or the meal timing. It can be important if you can fit it in after you get your big rocks, like uh, consistent nutrition and training in. But I'm curious as far as, you know, for a day to feel satisfactory to you fitness wise or non-fitness wise, what are like three or four of the big rocks that you try to make sure you fit in your, uh, your daily jar? Okay. I like that. I think I also wanted real quick because the supplements thing is a, is a very, it's a, it's a fun example because I had someone change my mind on this the, the other day. Uh, well, probably like a year ago or so, but he, he was talking about how, yes, supplements, are the tip of the pyramid. It's the last thing that we need to worry about. It's the, it's the pebbles. Mm -hmm. um, and, and for the jar example, this won't necessarily work, but for the context of what we're talking about, it will, because sometimes that supplement that you buy, that pre-workout that you buy can be the catalyst to you doing the big yeah. rocks. You see what yeah. I'm saying? Cause how yeah. great do you feel whenever you buy a, 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 a new pre-workout or a new protein mm -hmm. shake uh, or, or something along those lines? Yeah, it's a like, great point that can be the catalyst to actually flipping the pyramid upside down and making sure that you're actually consistent with what you're doing. Cause you want to use that pre-workout on it. It's like, it's the reason why often with, with whenever people take steroids, whenever just like your everyday weekend warriors yeah. take steroids, who probably aren't even like lifting that much in the first place. They just want really fast results. It's like, they're not going to just sit at home and not do anything while they're taking steroids. No, they're, they're paying attention to their diet. They're paying attention to their mm -hmm. exercise. They're getting yeah. better sleep. You know what I'm saying? Like that's exactly, that's exactly what makes correlation causation kind of weird sometimes. Yeah. It's like, Oh, I took this new pre-workout and, and I added 20 pounds of my bench press. It's like, well, did, did you start bench pressing twice a week as opposed to every other week? Because yes. you're, you're motivated with this pre-workout. Like it's not, 
that's 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 where things get kind of funny sometimes too in this example. Yes, and so to to lead that into your your question, an example of that to me would be, and this may be something not exactly similar to supplements, but just like in the mornings, as far as momentum goes, I want to build momentum as quickly as possible. And the way that I do that is a very, very low bar of entry. And the low bar of entry for me to get motivated to begin on my work and things like that is to just read. That's whenever I, that's every morning I wake up and I make my uh, uh, caffeinated drink and then I read. And because that's the very first kind of productive quote unquote thing that I can feel like doing. Uh, and, and that gets my mind stimulated. It kind of greases the gears of everything, gets the ball rolling. Uh, and then right after that, and honestly what typically happens is I'm reading and I really enjoy what I'm reading, but then I, I get anxiety starting to come in. Cause I'm like, I should really get to work now. And it's kind of, it's kind of like, uh, you get to that point where like, if I read any longer, I'm going to be behind on today's work tasks. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's typically what leads me into, okay, now I need to take care of the big rocks. I need to take care of my work for the day. And that's, that's typically, you know, two, three, four major things, possibly even one depends on the task. Uh, I, I'm, I don't want to be the person who says, Oh, I take care of three things every single day. It's like, mm -hmm. it's not, it's more nuanced than that. And, but the most important task is what I focus on for that day. Uh, and then typically what I do is I have, I'll probably have, let's see, probably about two and a half to three hours of pretty hardcore work time, work time, maybe a few breaks in there um, just to do something random, maybe go uh, uh, get a drink for my girlfriend or go to Whole Foods. Like I can walk over to Whole Foods and grab something for, for dinner that night or something or go on a walk uh, or even just um, uh, get on Instagram or something for mm -hmm. 15 minutes, something to give my mind a little bit of a break. But then after that, then I eat. And then after I eat, uh, then, then it's, it's more work. Um, and, and, and the way that I keep those big, the big rocks is of course the work, but it's also the flow of the entire day because that whole macro structure of everything is the glue that holds everything together. And that consistency, yeah. because for lunch every day, I have the exact same thing. And I also make lunch for my girlfriend. So I bring, I bring her her lunch. I make my lunch mm -hmm. and it's always around the same time. And it just, this is the, this is the autopilot type thing. And whenever you have a meal that is, is tasty to you, but it's also conducive to your health goals, then you've got a win-win. And then you also keep that consistent every single day. Then it's like, all right. So that macro structure is one of my huge rocks that keeps the, the consistency and the routine. That is probably the biggest rock. And when it, it's why whenever I, I travel or something like that, I get thrown off because these, these other things, these big rocks, I need to figure out how to translate them uh, into a different environment and things like that. And that's typically just trickier. Um, but yeah, I think that's definitely the biggest thing. And that alone makes me, get my work done. It makes me get my nutrition in. Uh, it, it typically what happens is after I work and, uh, and I end the day, the way that I end the day is well, used to go to the gym. That was kind of my hard stop for the day. Right. Uh, and, and that is, is, is how I used to be like, okay, now I can kind of mm -hmm. shut my mind mm -hmm. for the day. It doesn't, trust me, it doesn't always work because like you said, whenever you go to the gym, sometimes you get ideas, you get creative sure. and it's just like, I'm, I'm down, I'll write something down or whatever. Typically it's for the next day. I just, I have a running pad and pen 
just like of tasks that I think of. And that's the easiest way for me is I just, anything that's in my mind, I want to dump it out on that pad and pen. And then I'll prioritize it either uh, that night. So I'm ready going into the next day or the next day. uh, If I haven't already, I'll prioritize it and then get started on the most important thing. Yeah. Um, that's, I think that's such a good point though. You mentioned with like the little things that can be catalysts. Cause it makes mm-hmm. me think like I was just telling you before we were on that I'm, I'm moving into this new apartment and I, I'm, I bought a few things for like a little office space for myself to kind of get myself more motivated about new podcasts and blogs. Like I have this keyboard and like this desk and laptop stand and like none of that stuff. Like I could blog and podcast with or without this stuff, but it kind of makes it more fun. And like you said, it's kind of like that shiny new pre-workout. It makes you more excited to go do the thing, not, not do the workout for me in this aspect, but like do the, uh, do the blogs and do the podcasts and stuff like that. So that's yeah. a great point. It's, it's never as simple as a one, two, three sort of thing. Yeah, a hundred percent. And that's, that's what you just figure. This is why trial and error and trying to keep your routine consistent over time, because then you can poke hole. Like whenever you are facing some type of resistance or friction with your, your daily habits and, and the things that you do throughout the day. And you're like, fuck, I really wanted to work out today, but I keep like, uh, I keep either whatever forgetting, or I'm just not making enough time. It's mm-hmm. like, then, you know, okay, something needs to change around 5 PM whenever I'm getting done. Like I need to make sure that I have a hard stop at five 30. So I make sure that I can get in this hour workout and then I have enough time for dinner, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but by keeping all the variables constant, then you know, okay, this is what I need to change. And then I can change that, test mm-hmm. it, see what happens and then adjust it needed. And if not, if it works, then move on to the next piece of the puzzle. And it's just constant refinement over and over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's Perfect. it. All right. Well, I think that's a good way to wrap it. Thanks again, Matt, for joining my show again. And uh, I think we'll do it again in the future. I uh, I'll always enjoy talking to you. Yeah, absolutely, man. This was a, this was a blast just like last time. And uh, yeah, thank you so much for, for having me on man. I appreciate it. Hey, it's Jake again. If this podcast provided you any value, I'd encourage you to share it with someone who you think might enjoy it. In addition, it'd really help me out a lot if you would go and subscribe or leave a review for my podcast. It's super easy. And in addition, if you have any questions or comments, I'd love for you to reach out to me by email or Instagram DM, which can both be found on my website. Thanks.